Hey, welcome to Tether, where we have conversations about faith and culture. I'm Bill Falk, one of your hosts here with Danielle as well. And we have an exciting show for you today and have something to you, for you to think about uh, before we start. Think about maybe just a time in your life where you were rejected for something. Uh, maybe, maybe you were picked on about something, but somewhere where you kind of just experienced some sort of a trial or um, again, maybe you experienced some sort of a rejection. And just imagine that being the case for something that you strongly, strongly believe in. Some of you listening today may have experienced something similar to that or maybe experienced that yourself. But today we're going to be talking about persecution in the persecuted church. This is such an amazing topic and this is a, a huge topic and we are very, very blessed and fortunate to have um, Sammy and Alicia Kadani here with us today to share with us um, their story. Sammy is the founder of Enduring Hope Network. It is a ministry to the persecuted church in Eritrea, and he was here with his wife, Alicia. And Sammy's going to share with us a little bit about his story and uh, what Enduring Hope Network does, um, how God led him to this ministry. He has an amazing, amazing story of the faithfulness of God. You guys don't want to miss out on this. Be sure to check out to the end of the show where you have hear about some opportunities where you can actually get plugged into the ministry that he has to the persecuted church in Eritrea. So Sammy, Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So again, we are thrilled and honored to have you guys on the show. And so every show we always start and ask our, our guests to just share their story. And so we just would love for you to kind of share your story. Obviously you, you didn't, have a desire to start Enduring Hope Network when you were like five or six. I mean, it just kind of evolved over time. So just kind of share your story, how you ended up coming over to the U.S. and and how God birthed this ministry in your heart. And so go ahead, Sammy, just share with us. I was born in Ethiopia and grew up in Ethiopia as well. Um, and I've lived in Eritrea, um, Sudan, in Kenya, uh, ended up in America eventually. My story started changing uh, when I was living in Ethiopia with my family. I have ten, five brothers and five sisters. I grew up with a big family, very devout um, Catholic family, full of faith uh, and joy. In 1998, a border war between Ethiopia and Eritrea erupted. And the only country that I know was even though I'm or my parents are originally from Eritrea, Ethiopia was my home country. But when, during, when the war between the two countries erupted, the prime minister of Ethiopia decided to deport all Eritreans from Ethiopia back to Eritrea. And I have never been in Eritrea before. Um, I just lost my dad at that time from... Um, illness and we were mourning and uh they decided to deport us and without nothing with other over one hundred thousand uh, eritreans uh we were deported to Ethio- to eritrea and what we didn't know was eritrea was changing at that time as well um how old were you 19 years old okay so going back to eritrea um with my family the climate of persecution was starting in 2001. That's where I joined a youth group uh, for Bible study. I was invited and I never heard a gospel before like that. Uh, my heart was changed. I accepted Christ as my personal savior. 
uh, I was really enjoying uh, joining the thriving church there. Uh, but in 2002, the Eritrean government decided to close churches, specifically the evangelical churches, the Baptist churches. It ended up being illegal being a Christian in Eritrea. Christians were um, labeled as enemy of the state, um, a reason for uh, division in the country. Um, the government used the propaganda labeling believers, followers of Christ, as agents of CIA. Um, it was very painful, but we start, we end up going through underground church when the church was closed. I have lived in that situation during persecution. I was able to experience first-hand persecution. I have seen pastors getting in jail and the church being closed. And a lot of believers, because they were uh, sharing the word of God, they were found praying, uh, coming together as a community to pray for fellowship Bible study. They've been rounded up and taken to prison. Um, they've been in prison in a shipping containers, which is very, very hot during the day and very cold during the night. I have lived through that um, situation in Eritrea, but I always wanted to leave Eritrea. I don't want to live in that um, political climate. Um, I know God has created me to think freely, uh, to think for others and to think for myself, but the communist regime will not allow free thinkers to live in that environment. And it was very um, a difficult situation in 2002, uh, I joined Brothers of the Christian School, um, a religious organization. I was able to uh, attend an institute of religious studies uh, for three years. They give me um, a place to study and continue my education, despite the persecuted, the Christian church being persecuted because they are affiliated with the Catholic Church. I was able to be given a chance, and uh, while I was in Eritrea, being a student at the Institute of Religious Studies, I was not able to go and visit my family, and I was always have to hide there. And that's some of the persecution that I have experienced. So when you say all of a sudden the government made a decision, it was against Christians. I mean, you kind of just walked through that story. I know you lived it, you know, kind of, but that's hard to think through being in a place where you 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 were free and all of a sudden oh now you're an enemy of the state i mean did you see that coming or i mean was that something that that you guys saw gradually you know gradually happen over time or was it like just boom like there was an announcement i'm just curious what was going through y'all's mind i mean was there an immediate hope in the midst of that or was you know just how, how did you immediately respond to this idea that wow, like I'm now an enemy. This reminds me of um, the scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus has told that you'll be persecuted. Mm. And uh, as a cr Christians have been persecuted, and uh, Jesus himself was persecuted. Of course, there are some who hate believers, regardless what the government was contemplating to do. The enemy is always against us in, in whatever situation, in whatever country we are. But, uh, instantly, the government come uh, with a law to close all the church and to put to limit the freedom of the believers, not to pray, not to read the scripture. And uh, it's very hard to be a Christian and be against the word of God. 
And uh, it was a choice that put before believers. Either you choose God or you leave it. It's up to you. Christians were persecuted. It's not because of what they do. It's because of what they refused to do. We refused mm. to abide, even though we are good citizens. We refused to abide by the law of the government. We put first God. That's mm. what we are commanded to do as a believer. And that's what the cause of the persecution on the government side. They want to control everyone. They want to think for us. But we want to think for ourselves. Yeah, they understand the power. They understand the power of the faith. Yes. You know? Yep. They know the power of the faith, and they are afraid of it. That's how the persecution started, and uh, it was a surprise, of course, for many. But believers were able to come together, organize themselves. Um, underground church were growing, even though. When people were found praying, when believers were found praying within their own house, they were rounded and put to jail. The government were putting spies in the neighborhood, in your, where you live, in your area. So when they see someone carrying a Bible coming to your house and they are like, what's going on? And they put you to jail. And it was very hard to live in that kind of environment. Wow. So was the church, because it was being persecuted, did did you see people walk away or did you, you I mean you mentioned that it was growing so over here in the US you know you hear about stories about churches that are growing in persecuted areas I mean so that would you say strengthen the church during during that time it has two sides when it comes to persecution it depends what you come to the persecution when the persecution happens. Mm -hmm. If you are firm in your faith, if you have the word of God in your heart, in your mind, in your life, um, you already know you have songs in your heart, song of praise, regardless of the situation, you will survive through persecution. Your faith will grow. You know, all the story that we have as a believer from the scripture. Remember Paul and Silas? Yeah, they were yeah. able to sing during persecution while they were in chain. That was the story. That was exactly what happened uh, in that situation. And for those uh, who are not strong or uh, those who are living by watered-down gospel, mm -hmm. they will surrender to the enemy. And But believers were able to grow in that situation, yes. Yeah. Wow. So your faith was pretty solid at that point when that when that happened when when the government started to do that. Yes, it is a choice and uh mostly it's a gift of God and mm. God give us faith uh during time, hard time and difficult time. You never know what is going to happen but the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the word of God being alive and active in your life. That's what sustains you during persecution. Wow. That, that's helped you to endure through persecution. Could I give a little bit of context? Yeah, please. Um, because coming from the United States, a very Christian nation. Right, right, right. Um, you have, people have a nominal faith. So 
I was born here, so I'm Christian. I'm white, so I'm Christian. <laughs> mm-hmm. My grandparents pray, so I'm... So the unique thing about Sammy around the age of 19, going to a Bible study and hearing the presentation of the gospel in a unique way that changes his faith is that the common faith in Eritrea and then Ethiopia where he's growing up is Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity, mm-hmm. like Greek Orthodox, Coptic Christians. Um, that is the most cause- common. You also have Muslim um, being evangelical or Pentecostal, mm-hmm. they say pente as kind of a slur. They'd rather you be lost and not know anything about God than being Pentecostal because Pentecostal is just outrageous. Um, so the yeah. fact that he said he's a Christian evangelical Pentecostal already shows a great commitment of faith Yeah, because it's not the norm. Yeah, It's a deep abiding faith that's going against your culture. Um, it's not common. So mm-hmm. that's unique. We're here. When you say I'm a Christian, you have to ask some deeper questions, especially since there's a whole gamut of Christianity. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So hopefully that brings more context. So the fact that you're already saying you're a Christian, not Catholic, not Orthodox, not something that's kind of just goes with the flow already is a profound statement. Yeah. And so it's almost coming from a another realm of persecution in and of itself. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because they've already kind of had to count the cost and be rejected by families or Mm -hmm. be rejected from relationships with significant others. Because if you're Catholic, you marry Catholics. If you're Orthodox, you marry Orthodox. You don't cross over. And that's integrated a lot in the government as well, right? Sort Uh, of. I defer to Sammy. Because there are some religions that are accepted Right. Um, but not the Pentecostal, not yeah. the Baptist, not the evangelical. Yeah. There's only four approved. Yeah, the four approved religions. If you are Catholic, or yeah. if you are a Muslim, if you are Orthodox Christian, mm-hmm. you are given the freedom to worship in your church. But the government slowly start crawling and attacking those as well. The government closed all private Catholic schools, clinics. They confiscate that. And they were able to put under house arrest the leader of the Orthodox Church. Okay. The Patriarch, Patriarch Antonius, that's his name, and he's still in house arrest. They were able to charge the control oh. by putting their own Pope, their own Patriarch in that place. So the trend is either you follow the progressive, the affirming uh, kind of Christianity, you'll be okay with them, Either you choose to follow Christ, either you choose to accept the word of God and how it is presented, uh, inspired by Holy Spirit. And that's the choice we are given. And the word of God says that I will not leave you nor forsake you. Either you believe it or you leave it. And that's the choice that was given for believers. And it's up to every one of us to make a decision to carry the cross and to follow Christ. And uh, following Christ is not the wide road. It is the narrow road. Um, It is a road where you feel, enjoy, realize the presence of God regardless of the situation. Mm -hmm. Sammy, I think you said it well to me before when we've had these discussions that the government really doesn't care what you believe. They want you to put the government and pol- their political agenda first. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. um, as a Christian, 
We're to have no other idols. We're to worship God only and put him first. So that's the conflict. That's the persecution. Mm -hmm. When you don't put the government and its politics first, that's where the persecution is. They want a total allegiance. Because they want total control. Yeah. 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 Yep. So when someone is is being persecuted, from what you've described to me, um, it's something that God is carrying you through. I'm putting words in your mouth, but basically yes. something that that a, as you are experiencing this, mm-hmm. the, the the presence of God is very real to you mm-hmm. and walking with you. You mentioned a verse that said that that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Mm-hmm. Might have been a different verse you said, mm-hmm. but. Can you describe a little bit more where, how you sense God's presence with you or other people when they were in the midst of, of that present persecution, that hope that you had? And knowing God for who he is, experiencing God, when the word of God personified in your life, when you know who really God is and when you know how much you are loved, when you know how much you are accepted, when you know how much you are forgiven, that's what uh, glue you to God. Mm. And that's what makes you um, special to commit yourself to follow Christ uh, regardless what is going on uh, in your life. And uh, this reminds me, um, the book of Acts, chapter 16, depicts the story of Paul in Silas' yeah. imprisonment for preaching Christ. And their suffering are similar to the plight of Eritrean suffering for their face today. They were stripped and beaten with rats after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown to prison and the jailers was commanded to guard them carefully. Then the guard fastened their feet in stocks. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And the jailer rushed and fell, trembling, asked, what must I do to be saved? The jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household was saved. This is the perfect example how persecution and during hard times, how we can experience God. I was in conversation a couple of weeks ago with some of our members uh, affiliated with EHN uh, we call them field workers in Eritrea. And uh, they told me uh, some of their family members was released after three years in, in jail. And one of them were a nurse. And uh, when they were asked to go home, some of the jailers were weeping. I said, what does this mean? What they have to weep? Because they're going to miss us. Mm. Wow. That's what they told wow. me. And regardless of the situation, God is always with us. Well, um, we may not see it, but we have to believe it. And well, this is one of the examples that correlates with the Acts of uh, with the book of Acts in chapter sixteen. Thank you. Now that's that's very powerful. So uh, you you know you ended up going to the religious studies uh, school, and but you had escaped right to end up going over there? I mean, what kept people from, from escaping? You know, it was, um, you know, you seem to have a hope, a continued hope. Like I gotta, you know, I gotta get out of here. And 
and you had to make some, you had to do some work to get, to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, was there, you know, was there a fear of people that kept them from, from trying to escape? And what was it that you, what gave you hope or that faith to, to, Hey, I got, I got to get out of here and, and go somewhere else. It depends on what God put in your heart. Mm-hmm. And for me was, I know I have to live. I have to escape from that environment. For some, they have committed to live there despite the persecution, continue to make an impact within Eritrea. Now when I think of it, God has a plan uh, why I left the country. I was able to advocate for those who are in Eritrea. Mm. I was able to, God was able to help us to create this network, this chain um, to help the believers who are enduring persecution. That's why the organization that has given us uh, Enduring Hope Network is to create a network with the persecuted church. Mm. And for us, those who live in the West, in America, um, they are a constant reminder. The persecuted church is a constant reminder for us to appreciate our freedom, um, to use it while we are having it. You never know what comes regarding political climate. And uh, we have to stick with the word of God. We have to stick with our faith. We have to stand firm. They are always reminding us. And we have to continue praying for those who are persecuted. We have to learn about what is persecution and what's going on around the world as a body of Christ, as a family of believers. So did you, you felt like you had a, that sense of calling even yes. back then that you know, it seems like God's hand was on your life and that, you know, that God had a purpose and a plan for you, for you, you sensed that back, maybe not knowing what it really was, but you just sensed it, that, that, that God had something for you. Yes, I know God has something for me bigger, international ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think about it, it's amazed me, even Alicia being from USA, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> and um, I've been different countries in, in Sudan, in, in Kenya. I was born in Ethiopia. You know, I've experienced persecution in Eritrea. Um, I have studied, you know, in USA, in, in different parts of the world, like Kenya. Um, God has a great purpose for me to reach to those who are in prison, in Eritrea, who don't have access. And God wants me to be a voice for the voiceless, mm-hmm. to create awareness. So mm-hmm. the other believers who are not under intense persecution like Eritrea, will get an opportunity to learn about persecution and advocate for those who are persecuted and also um, learn and support the persecuted church as well. Regarding your question about why some people stay and why some people leave, it's also my understanding talking with Sammy and some of his other siblings who have escaped. Um, it's having access to a means. So he is one of 11 siblings and some of them had already gone um, legally abroad to the U.S. to study okay. and get married and start a family. The last five of them, um, once the persecuted persecution started, um, 
were relegated to staying in Eritrea, being in forced military service, which maybe Sammy can elaborate on afterwards, didn't have that means. But because we had expatriates in the U.S., they could send money okay. for the thousands of dollars to afford a smuggler if they chose to leave. So one is having means. So wow. probably someone right. outside of Eritrea because the economic opportunities are poor. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, and hopefully Sammy can share a verse, is um, having that conviction and vision to desire to escape. Yeah. Um, because some try to escape and are captured or maimed or killed. And that makes you probably not want to do it. A lot of exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the psychological was, part. Exactly. Of- so hopefully Sammy could elaborate on his story because there were a few times where he wanted to escape. But um, and eventually he was able to. So could you elaborate about the vision and the um, advice you got from your mother the first time you tried to leave? Uh, persecution, being in jail, uh, experiencing seeing people being tortured, uh, put in a jail like a sardine, hundreds of them. Um, it's so very hard. And uh, I have been outside in the jail compound while it was raining and very cold and that kind of torture is very hard i've been in a military um training center where you have to walk for 12 hours my feet was bleeding i have seen people being beaten for merely carrying a bible a bible found in their in in their bag mm. and uh that's what made me really i need to go out and do something about it and uh, even though it was very hard, when I was making a choice, I was praying. The first time I, from day one, I wanted to leave from that political system, even though I love Eritrea. Eritrea is a very beautiful country with a beautiful culture and beautiful people. Uh, but the system was corrupt. Was The system is enemy of a follower of Christ. One day I came home and I told mom, I'm planning to go. I need to leave this country now. And she was scared to death. And uh, she said, Sammy, let's go for a walk. And I was walking with her. We we're having a conversation. She said, please don't go. At least give us one more year with us. Because once you leave, you cannot come back to your home. You cannot see your family again. It's very hard decision. And also, if you are fine cross, uh, trying to cross the border, there is a low shoot-to-kill policy. You can be shot, and if you are caught, you may be in jail for indefinitely, 10 years, 5 years, and you'll end up being in a military camp after that. It's a very hard decision for me. But I talking to my mom when my first trying to escape, uh, she said, please don't go. And I've already organized everything I got. Four people to go with me. We got a smuggler, got the money for him. Everything was ready. And then that night I was struggling and I had a dream. The dream I had was, it's weird. It sounds like crazy, but what I had, what, what in my dream, what I saw was um, in one of the streets called Godana Harun in Asmara, in the capital, uh, a butcher truck was going through carrying cows that are ready to be slaughtered and while this truck was going slowly this cow was running on the street she ran towards the truck and grabbed one of 
the cow that was taken to be slaughtered and she runs away. And immediately I know God was talking to me. Wow. I mean, it's, it sounds weird, you know, cows and trucks and all that. I was like, I don't even have to say what does it mean. The Holy Spirit um, explains to me what, what it means. And I know I have to listen to my mother. The mother cow was my mom. And I was the one taken to be slaughtered. And I decided I'm not going to go. And then the smuggler and four of my friends, they called me, Sami, why don't you go? We are ready. You have already paid, you know, um, those thousands of dollars to do that. And I refused to go. We, late down one week, I heard that four of my friends and the smuggler was put in jail. Wow. And being in jail under Eritrean government is very cruel. Cruel. You'll be beaten. You'll be thirsty. You'll be starving. It's a very, very difficult situation. And I was able, God was able to escape me, help me to, uh, to avoid imprisonment and being killed through visions and dreams. And that's how I know he will never leave me nor forsake me. You know, he's with me regardless of the situation. Um, and I've tried another time. Uh, after one year again, I decided, you know what? Now is the time to go. With me and my sister, she, uh, we went to another city. There is a lot of checkpoints you have to go by and every bus has to stop, you know, within like a couple of miles. They check everything and they control every movement of the people. And it was very scary. Do, are they going to find out? You cannot even believe the walls. Like, you it feel like everything is, everyone is an agent in that place. Yeah. And we were scared. But uh, once on the second day, um, I decided, you know what? I'll be going using a bus to cross this checkpoint. We have come this far. And the two other guys and the smuggler, they said, you better come with us. We are going to go through the mountain to cross this checkpoint. And I said, I'll wait you there. And it's amazing. They let me go through that checkpoint inside a bus. And I was waiting for them and waiting for them and waiting for them. They didn't come. I was scared. I was like, what's going on? And I decided I have to go back to my family again. And I was halfway to the border. And I came back home. And I heard that they were caught. Well, They've been in jail for five years, underground. And God saved me. I was like, God, what do you want? How Your presence is amazing. You've been rescuing me from all this. It reminds me the story of Joseph again, how mm -hmm. he was sold. God has a great purpose for him to rescue his people eventually. And the third time, I decided this is the time I have to go again. Because previous that I have also experienced um, being in a military. I've experienced torture. I have seen prison. I was fed up. And then from Asmara to the border town, from the capital city to the border town, it took me like a couple of days. There is a lot of checkpoints. God uh, was able to, when the bus stopped at the checkpoint, they asked everybody to come out of the bus. For some reason, they didn't ask me. It's like a miracle when I think about it. Especially if you are young, 
you are in trouble. They always think you are trying to skip the country. You are trying to skip persecution. You are refusing to be uh, a slave of the government. And one thing that really kept me going was the word of God. Hmm. I hear it boldly in my heart. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That gave me a lot of courage to say I can go on. I know it's a desert. I know you may even die of thirst. Snake can bite you on the way. You may get shot. You may be caught by uh, some thieves on the way that can um, harvest your body for sale. And it was very frightening, but I was very confident. And once we start going, crossing the border at night, it was raining. We were, there was a lot of fear, but I was just following the smuggler. I don't know even where I'm going. I grew up in a city. I don't know what it means to be in a jungle. <laughs> it was very scary for me, especially. And uh, my feet were getting tired. It was hard to walk. But after three days walking in the desert, we ended up in the border town called Kasala in Sudan. It was a night time. We were just walking. We saw a light from a distance where we were walking towards that. And we ended up being in the city. And I got into a minibus, like the taxi there. The culture is different. The language is different. We were so wet. We looked so like dusty. And we got in there. What really struck me was, again, the word of God. Those who call upon the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm shall be saved. I start crying. I cannot control myself. God keep his promise. That's how I know. Regardless what you are going through, God is always with you. He keep his promise. So when you were getting to the border, uh, I mean, you were just tracking on foot and you had a guy leading you? Is that what you were? Yes. Okay, going through the jungle? A jungle and desert, yes. Desert area. Um, now, when you got to the to, to Sudan, was there some sort of a checkpoint that you had to get through as well? There is no checkpoints. There might be a checkpoint, but okay. we don't have to go. We have no documentation. We have nothing. And uh, it was very hard for them as well. They will think you are a spy. And uh, after a couple of days staying in Sudan, I just called my family and I have safely arrived I'm in Sudan. There was a big celebration. And I know there are other young people coming in droves in many ways as well to Sudan. And I have to go to the authorities of Sudan to say, I'm a refugee. I just got in. And when I do that, it was hard the first time. And uh, they said, who are you? How do you came to this country? How do you know that what you say you are? A refugee. Um, they thought I was a spy for Eritrean government. Oh, wow. Spying Sudan. And they start, they put me in a room, they start torturing me, they show me a scorpion. I was scared. They took all my clothes out. They think they're going to deport me back to Eritrea. They said, it's going to take them a couple of guys to buy, to take me there. Um, I said, do whatever you want. I cannot go anywhere from here. I was fighting for my life. Uh, then when 
a time for them to pray for uh, they were a Muslim nation basically in North Sudan. They start praying in front of me while they were doing torturing me at the same time. I stand up and I say, how can you pray to your God and torture me at the same time? Hmm. It's not fair. Hmm. How can you say you believe and you torture a refugee? And then they say, they laugh it out and say, okay, get out from here. They open the door and they show me other prisoners, fellow refugees. And they show me, you know what? There is a lot of food here, rice they have, and you can eat. And then we're going to send you to UNHCR. That's United Nations Higher Commission for Refugees uh, to settle. And they can decide what to do next for you. Uh, that's how I end up in, in Sudan and my journey, how um, I crossed the border. Wow. And it's interesting to think that you went to a safe place and that safe place was Sudan. <laughs> you know, and but, Sudan has one of the largest refugee camps, I think, in the world, doesn't it? Sudan has a huge refugee camp. Yeah. There are a lot of refugees from Eritrea. Yeah. Uh, maybe from other nations as well, but mm -hmm. mostly from Eritrea. Uh, but the condition for refugees is horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Horrible. Um, they put them in jail. There is no enough food. If you don't have someone to help you, to advocate for you, someone who can uh, wire you money to survive, you cannot. Thank God for me, my family uh, who are living in the United States and my friends who are living outside um, in Europe or other parts of the world, you know, they were able to support me, encourage me all the way. And after six months living in Sudan, I went to uh, Kenya. That's a better place for me. I was able to join Brothers of the Christian School, a Catholic mission. Uh, I was uh, able to go to university there to do my studies. And also, I was given an opportunity uh, to work as a director of the school boys program where we are able to support uh, orphan kids with uh, um, uniform, clothing, access to education, things that I was managing that. I was able to teach at the Kibera Slum about purpose, about maths and science. And uh, that's how I made Alicia eventually there. Kibera, that's the name of it. Yes, Kibera, Kibera. 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 Yes, 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 yes. So have yes. you ever seen Slumdog Millionaire? Yes. I think yeah. that was India. Yes. India. Yeah. yeah. It's either their first or second largest slums in right. Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so you're the Institute for Religious Studies, that was prior to Sudan, or is that prior to Sudan? That was prior to Sudan. And that, now did you have to escape from Sudan into Kenya? Was that something that you had to What happens to the refugees when they're over in Sudan? Like do they have to have some sort of a means to continue to move on? I mean, what I mean, can they have a life um, over in Sudan? I mean, what, what happens to those refugees? Honestly, it's a hopeless situation, right. being mm -hmm. a refugee in Sudan. Yeah. For me, Tangar, my family was able to support me. Okay. Um, they just give you a card from UNHCR. And uh, I think there is like a process where you can relocate to another country. Uh, but you never know what, how long is going that to take you. Maybe some people were there for 10 years. Some people were there like 20 years. Just waiting, doing nothing, no food, no school, no opportunity to thrive, um, to make a living. It's mm -hmm. very, very hard. Yeah, serious, but for me, serious like health. Yeah. Health concerns, health concerns trafficking, trafficking, people are beaten, people are sexually abused. Mm -hmm. um, he actually did his thesis when he was in Kenya because there are also refugee camps in Kenya. 
um, from Sudan, from Eritrea, from bordering nations, but the conditions are deplorable. I, deplorable. I guess better than the communist country came from, but mm-hmm. they're not ideal. Yeah, but yeah, by any means. Yeah. Well, so you're in Kenya, you're teaching outside of Christ. God brings you the greatest gift you've had here on earth um, in Alicia. So, and I should say Dr. Alicia Kadani, um, Harvard Medical School uh, graduate. So you're on there on a mission, a mission trip. And, you know, we have no idea. <laughs> I wasn't God even, has a bigger mission in oh, store. Oh, yeah. I went there to figure out if I was supposed to continue just doing family medicine, um, which is basically wellness care, keeping people healthy and preventive care, not waiting till people get sick, trying to figure out if I just did the mainstream family medicine or do surgical obstetrics. So learning how to do C-sections because one third of deliveries end up being surgical. And, um, had some broken relationships. So I was like, I'm dating Jesus. I'm good. And then he <laughs> comes there. on the scene and um, I'm like, oh, he's Catholic. Great. He's um, <laughs> he's a monk, like whatever that means. I you know, grew up Baptist, Christian, non-denominational. And then I'm like, oh, he's Catholic, whatever. So I always say it's the reverse story of um, the hills are live with the sound, the sound of the music. Sound of music. <laughs> yeah. Where Maria is like in this convent. She's like, right. what should I do? So um, anyway, I realized that was just his cover. Actually, we texted. So I had to get conversations down to 160 characters. So I called him 007, like literally. And um, so his cover was, you know, Catholicism. And but it provided him university, room and board, opportunity to teach. And um, but he was really Pentecostal. So um, we started courting long distance. And um, yeah, a couple from my church who were immigrants, they were Ethiopian, they understood what it was to be identified as African American because you're black in the US, but really not African American and what his culture was like being born and raised in Ethiopia. They mentored us until we got married 13 months later. So from meeting him in January 2009 to getting married in March 2010, we'd seen each other for five weeks in person. Oh, wow. And we courted long distance. Wow. So was that kind of when you're over there on this, how long were you over there? On the- so four weeks for my first four rotation, weeks. one week for our engagement in October, and then five weeks for our marriage and honeymoon. The the the, the third time I saw him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I assume you knew his story when a humble when, understanding. Yeah. I mean, in eleven years of marriage, praise God. Now, um, a deeper understanding, but a reacher was not on my radar. He introduced it to me. Yeah. So actually, um, our first encounter was celebrating the inauguration of our first black president in the U.S. because um, Obama, I believe, is part Luo. Luo is L-U-O, is one of the tribes of Kenya. Okay. So um, Kenyans were celebrating Obama as their president also, but I threw a celebration for 10 people to come. And only two showed up for different reasons. And it was me and Sammy. I was like, God, you need to clarify. This is not a date. I have a very big boundary. <laughs> so did you guys start the hashtag? Thanks, Obama. <laughs> is that y'all started that? <laughs> no. Oh, dang. God uses all things. You know? <laughs> That's a miracle. Yeah. Um, so uh, so y'all, you'll get married. Then you come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that was a miracle in itself, um, proving that we were really courting. And me as a black single female I was like I'm not a black American princess you're not getting a green card on me (laughs) (laughs) there were so many barriers but um it was definitely a gift of faith for him coming because we were married 
in um, Kenya was really actually cool because we had three languages at our marriage, English, um, Eritrean, and Swahili. And we had three pastors. No one wanted to marry us because our coming (laughs) together was very non-traditional. But then we had a surgeon, African-American surgeon, big on racial reconciliation. He lived in Kenya for 20 years. He officiated our marriage. There's another, I'm not sure what part of Africa he was from, but he served with the Red Cross, another doctor there. So I had people from my medical center who were there supporting us. And then we had, um, where's I going with this? Oh, then we met someone. We tend to be social people. So we met this gentleman who is Kenyan and he has a passion for reconciling the Christians, Mm. um, getting beyond denomination. He has a heart for strict children. So we have a heart for mentoring and youth and helping them know their purpose in God and moving forward. So he officiated our wedding and it was just really awesome. Um, So um, we had different languages and we worshiped God and we celebrated his goodness. Um, So um, that was just the faith act, even having a wedding celebration. But um, because it was countercultural to get married or have anything celebratory within 40 days of the death of someone and his mother had just died. So mm-hmm. our our story was a story of Isaac and Rebecca mm-hmm. and um, Abraham's servant going, finding a wife for Isaac. And then at the very end of that long chapter, I think it's Genesis 26, it says that. Isaac took Rebecca into um, his mother's tent and he was comforted in his mother's death. So like his church, although they are retrim Pentecostal, they're like, we can't get you married. There's like five other people in front of you who want to get married. We haven't approved them yet. And your mother just died and you should be like sitting Shiva. But kind of like very similar to the Jewish culture where like you're in the morning and like you can't celebrate. I'm like, I'm only here for five weeks. So um. <laughs> not a timetable. Um, but yeah, we got a visa and he came and um the rest is history, but it was all God integrally like working it out. That's awesome. With the heart for missions, because you knew I had a heart for missions. And the other Yo, thing yeah. I want to say is that Eritrean and Ethiopian culture is very homogeneous. So like they eat in Jera three times a day. Right. They marry Habisha, which Habisha is like the Ethiopian Eritrean culture. They stay in their culture. They look like their culture. They do their culture. Sammy grew up in a very international um, linguistic culture with the Christian brotherhood. They're all over the world. So we eat all kinds of food. He's very adventurous, very outgoing. And God called me to missions as a child. So he united us through worship and the word. It's yeah. like he grew up in Ethiopia. I grew up in Houston, Texas. We know the same songs. We love God. We have the same spirit. And that's how we grew in Christ through worship and the word. Yeah. So, that's so beautiful. Awesome. Yep. So you're in the U.S. now. First time. When you're, first time U.S. and you're married. Mm-hmm. Right. So tell me a little bit about meeting other Christians in the U.S. Mm-hmm. What did you notice? Was there anything different about the the faith of, of Americans versus the faith of people in Eritrea or even in, in Kenya in Sudan? Yeah. How disappointed were you in us with our courage? <laughs> we questioning the- <laughs> ourselves. You know I mean? You know, because we haven't been, we have never experienced like true persecution. You know what I mean? We I know, just, I'm, we just he's, you're sitting here talking. I feel like I'm just like a elementary, um, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, it's very encouraging, you know, hearing your story. Yeah. But yeah, so what, what was, uh, what was that like coming in and experiencing the Christian faith over here? Uh, for me was, I learned that in America, of course, it can be in Eritrea in any part of the world as well. But 
when someone say I am a Christian, you have to really know what it means. Um, mm. There is different version of Christianity. Um, is it a progressive Christianity? Is it just being religious? Because the word of God tells us you will know them by their fruits. The word of God tells us that did you believe the word of God as it is, as it is inspired by the Holy Spirit? And I think that's what made us apart um, from one believer to the other, regardless where we are. I love to see courageous believers who speak with boldness the word of God, who proclaim who Jesus is um, and to others, you know, I really get inspired when I see someone preaching on the street, for example. Mm. I really appreciate that. Wow, they are using their freedom. They are free and you have to do it. You never know what happens tomorrow. There are a lot of countries, a lot of places, they don't have um, that kind of freedom, uh, freedom of worship, freedom to share the word of God. When I see believers being timid while they have a lot of freedom in this country, that really annoys me as well yeah yeah sammy you were telling me before that you wonder if the persecution that is happening in the rest of the world is an example to us as believers to stand firm because you made a decision to stand firm am i going to take the easy road and do what a government says for me to do or am i going to allow god to be in control of my life and come what may whether i'm able to escape with my life or whether i'm separated from my family and in and indefinite military camp which is basically slave labor um or imprisoned or take my life like will i stand firm for the truth of the word and not compromise the persecuted church is an example to us here in the kind of west not in the west yeah that hasn't experienced that level of persecution those who are persecuted they were persecuted for us you can ask right. how they are a constant reminder for us. They are telling us, use your freedom while you are having it. Appreciate your freedom. In that way, learning about the persecuted church globally, in Eritrea, in other parts of the world, in Iraq, in Iran, in, um, in Africa, in North Africa, in, in Middle East, um, in America, we have to learn about when someone is persecuted and we have to stand with them. And we have to learn from persecution. And we learn by starting from our Lord, Jesus Christ, how he was persecuted. He was able uh, to decide for the cause he stand for. And the choice is that we make every single day. Am I going to testify? Am I going to look like a Christ? Am I going to identify myself as a believer? Or not. And that's what makes us different. And that's what makes us to be persecuted or not. Jesus have said, consider it as a joy. It's not always easy, but the Holy Spirit gives us hope. We have the hope. As a believers, the way we see life is different from the world sees. We see life in the light of eternity. And mm -hmm. that's where our home is. Um, that's what I like to, to say. I mean, since you saw the political climate change in Eritrea, I mean, you experienced that firsthand. I mean, do you see any common 
developments in the U.S. today that you see you see that happen in Eritrea? I mean, do you see that? Um, you know, just curious as if people are unaware mm. of of how people's freedom can be taken mm. away. Mm. You know, just curious. Mm. Not, I'm not trying to get you know all political. I'm You're just totally curious. getting all political. No, no, I'm not. No, no, I want to do that. No, <laughs> uh, but I am just curious because you actually experience you you know you experience that so. Um, just curious your perception of that. Of course, I see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in Eritrea, the government controls the school system, for example. The government decides what to teach your children. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to do it your way, you'll be in trouble with the government. And if you think that way, you will know that there is a persecution coming in the United States and also happening as we speak. And a lot of definitions have changed. Um, division, definition of marriage. And if you want to believe in historical Christianity, you'll be persecuted. You have to always um, be affirming, accommodating to keep your job, for example, in many organizations. And uh, you may be labeled as bigot for believing Christ and uh, for standing in what you believe. To give you just an example, I read an article a couple of weeks ago that the United States embassies around the world, they are going to put a flag that represent the LGBTQ community. And I know all kind of Americans died for this country. What about believers? Where is their flag? Mm. What about blacks and whites and different kind of people who believe different kind of religion? And I think that's one symbol for me to say there is still a persecution going on, but the form is different from one country to Mm -hmm. another country. If you open your eyes and you will see. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very insidious, but persecution, it's not when it gets here. If it's here, it's here. Um, If you are not affirming or accommodating to the majority way, and it's a political agenda, um, the whole LGBTQ inclusivity, and if you're not accepting in the job, there's a career, there's a cap, um, or you'll be fired, um, or you'll be called a homophobe if you believe in the biblical, traditional form of marriage between a man and a woman. Even though I love all people, um, you'll be considered a bigot um, or hateful. Um, and it's unfortunate. The freedom of religion is decreasing. Just look at our neighbor country in Canada. Clo- yeah. Churches are closed and you cannot speak against the LGBTQ community. You yeah. cannot say anything yeah. negative toward them. Now, people say negative stuff about people all the time, (laughs) whether it's toward disabilities or ethnicity or whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's not illegal. But when you're talking about sexual orientation, it's illegal to say anything negative. So our freedoms are being encroached upon and to to proclaim Christ and to believe Historical Bible, contrary to the progressive Christianity, which does not necessarily believe Jesus is the way, truth, and life. So, but historical Christianity, it's it's hard to stick with that. So, but we will, no matter what. But that's the persecution we are experiencing, and we need to prepare ourselves for. 
And that's just a few. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard when, you know, you're all of a sudden confronted with an opportunity, a situation that you're like, is this really it? Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this really, mm-hmm. I'm at a crossroads, mm-hmm. you know? And I think sometimes it, it comes at a different angle than maybe you think it's going to come in. You know, uh, if people are being challenged about what they believe, say, their sexual orientation, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were not, uh, you know, I think some people maybe not were ex- not expecting that, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, it, it it's interesting. So why is it that people are not more aware of the persecuted church? You know, I mean, I didn't even know Eritrea, which mm-hmm. doesn't say much, but um, <laughs> five and a few years college, but um, you know, I, I didn't, didn't even, know either. I didn't he- even know Eritrea was a place. You know, now you know I, I've said that name more times than I ever thought I would. But how come people don't know about the persecuted church? I mean, obviously, it's, they're not, it's not on mainstream TV all the time, but mm. why don't we know and how can we know more about the persecuted church? It's very sad that the media will not bring news about Christian persecution most of the time. It is the job of the body of Christ to speak up when persecution happened in different parts of the world and in our country as well. And I believe the church have to start stand up and start thinking outside the walls of the church, the building. We are one family. We are the body of Christ. And if we start thinking that way, we will learn that there is a lot of persecution going around the world. And uh, in our ministry, um, Enduring Hope Network, we have, you can visit our website as well. You have a section on the media where we bring news and uh, we give an opportunity for people to learn about persecution and uh, we give um, recent updates when pastors and believers are uh, being uh, in prison around the world, specifically in Eritrea. Uh, and I want to talk more about the uh, Enduring Hope Network, but as you're over here, were you continually thinking through like, okay, I know that I'm over here for a reason and, and purpose and God's is going to do something and, and I'm, I'm going to maybe go back to Eritrea or something. I mean, how did Enduring Hope Network happen? I mean, was there, you know, you were out in the yard one day and, you know, you just heard a voice or, you know, uh, you know, maybe you were praying one night or just kind of over time. I mean, how did that, how did God birth this ministry? Because obviously you already had the heart for it, but, but how did God birth this ministry? Enduring Hope Network has been in my heart for a very long time. Uh, seeing persecution and seeing believers being persecuted and experiencing it as well. And coming to a free country like United States and going to church I cannot worship raising my hand and not remember those mm. whose hands are in chain in Eritrea or those who are in other part of the world. And that was a continuous struggle for me. How can we be quiet about the persecuted and share the love of Christ for others? EHN is the gift of God 
Enduring Hope Network is the gift of God for us as a body of Christ uh, to learn about persecution so that we can stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are persecuted in different parts of the world, specifically in Eritrea, even in the United States of America. Some of the questions that Sammy said were on his heart and mind over the past 10 years as he was suffering through the persecution and escaping it, um, which just resonated with me. They were so poignant. Or does the rest of the world know? Like, mm. do they know what's happening to us? And are they praying for Eritrea? Are they praying for us in the midst of this situation? And are we really one family in Christ? Are we really one church in Christ? Mm -hmm. Because if one of us rejoices, we should all rejoice. And if one of us is suffering, mm -hmm. are we all really suffering together? Mm -hmm. I was just thinking through learning about i was reading what's the dc talk um dc talk it's dc talk book of martyrs i think they did a, like a thing oh, with, really? with the book of martyrs dc jesus freak i think hmm. in a book i remember mm -hmm. being on a on an airplane uh flying somewhere and i think i was struggling maybe relational i was single so some relationship thing i, I feel so like pathetic now like you know, you're tracking through the jungle at night and i'm like you know upset about a relationship <laughs> um but i remember reading a story of some people being you know these stories of persecution and I remember, I mean, how many how many thousands of feet I'm up in the air and I'm reading this story and there was just such an overwhelming peace hmm. that that I was overcome with on the plane about my whole situation about my life and it was through learning and hearing about someone that was enduring persecution and it it gave me a tremendous amount of hope and it made me realize there's so much more going on with this life than this life this is so much bigger mm -hmm than what I thought. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I also remember another time being at y'all's house and meeting somebody there. And if I messed this story up, mm -hmm. you know, correct me. But there was a guy, I think, who had just become a Christian. From Jordan. From Jordan. From Jordan, mm -hmm. who had gotten beaten up mm -hmm. for his becoming. And I'm just, I'm sitting in y'all's living room talking, and I'm going, like, mm -hmm. wow. Like, this guy has put it on the line mm -hmm. for, for his faith, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, talking to this guy that had, had experienced it, it was just, again, my eyes were just mm -hmm. really open, mm -hmm. uh, open to that. So Enduring Hope Network, you've always had a heart for it. You've always been thinking about uh, the people. Was there a moment when you said, okay, now's the time. Now, now's the time we got to start gathering, you know, getting people together. I was having a meeting with Pastor Mark. And mm -hmm. uh, we start talking about church. And um, I was trying to find my place in the church, what I'm going to do. Am I, am I going just to come every Sunday? Mm -hmm. Of course, I teach uh, children as mm -hmm. well. But um, I know God has called me to serve the persecuted church. And uh, when I was having uh, a conversation and Pastor was asking me about persecution i said i'm from eritrea and this was going on and he told me he never even heard about eritrea before <laughs> i was like yes that's my mission god has called me to speak about the church in eritrea to speak about those who are persecuted and starting from siano ranked baptist church and that's how hn is born mm -hmm. so and, and i appreciate you sharing your story of how you came from Eritrea and eventually into 
Sudan and, and Kenya, because I think it painted a pretty good picture of what people are experiencing over there. Because now, you know, we could talk about Enduring Hope Network, what, what it is that you're doing and how you're providing support for people over the, the persecuted church over there. Um, so tell us a little bit about what the mission, the vision of Enduring Hope Network is. Uh, what are some maybe key things that you're trying to do right now with that ministry? Enduring Hope Network exists to make known the injustice taking place against the persecuted church in many parts of the world, in particular in Eritrea, and to provide encouragement and relief to those suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And the scripture, Hebrews 13.3, always reminds us, continue to remember those in prison, as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated, as if you yourself were suffering. That's where our visions began. And Enduring Hope Network exists to encourage Christians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the face of persecution by rescuing the afflicted, restoring the broken, sustaining the faithful, empowering the church and bringing hope to all for the glory of the Lord, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ mm. and in him alone. Our vision originates from the Apostles Paul, hope in the middle of pain and suffering. You can read Acts 16, 23 depict the story of Paul and Silas' imprisonment for preaching Christ, and their suffering are similar to the plight of Eritreans suffering for their face today. And I can share just kind of the five focus areas under that mission and vision. And um, just to go back a little bit, um, to give context, because you were talking about the story, DC Talk, and then meeting mm -hmm. our Jordanian friend who um, was a former Muslim, now a Christian, had to forsake everything. But um, we can never deny anyone's story. And stories are powerful, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and many cultures are not a written, you know, they're an oral tradition. And even before the Bible was written or people have access to scrolls, right, they weren't right. really multiplied. It was an oral tradition. So um, stories are powerful. And I see you have a book over there that um, our church participated in and we've shared with others who are interested. But Sacred Suffering is a great book about um, an Eritrean Christian teenager who was top of her class, desired to be a pediatrician. And before she could graduate and finish um, her study, she was indefinitely sent to military camp. And um, and then another story is great. It's about Helen um, Berhane, who was successfully able to escape military camp after many years, but she was a mother. She was a businesswoman, had um, a relationship that dissolved, an unfaithful husband. It wasn't because of her, but she was a faithful Christian. Husband divorced her, went to marry another woman, but she had a child by then. I believe she was a hairdresser, successful business, and she was a Christian. And she um, worshiped and had people in her home for Bible study. And then she was sent to military camp. And um, just hearing of their suffering and experiencing the presence of God mm. and um, God's miraculous peace and provision despite it. Um, so we can identify with their brothers and sisters and know how to pray for them and support them. But not only those who are in prison, but thinking about the I don't know if it's collateral damage, but all the others who suffer, the family members and the children mm. are left behind. So I know that was kind of a long winded um, segue, but 
The five um, areas that we focus on are thinking about those who are also kind of left behind, how we can support them. So the first area is providing for the basic needs um, of daily life. So think about the children, the young children, getting them food, uniforms, um, money, transportation, so they can continue in their education to have a hope for the future. Um, Two, um, establishing new vocational training centers for um, the older youth who are able to work, but also for the um, spouses who are left behind. Oftentimes it's men who are um, the pastors or the teachers um, who are incarcerated um, indefinitely. So the women are left behind. So they're not forced to prostitute themselves or do things just to support their families. If we can support them, families can stay intact. And if they could have a business um, to support them, that will sustain them. The third area is empowering the minister Many of these ministers aren't full-time ministers. They're like 80% working a side job to support their families and 20% of the time preaching and teaching the gospel when it would be great if it could be reversed, if we could find a way to sustain them so they can full-time be in ministry. Um, and then to encourage them, um, providing with literature and materials. I mean, we can get a seminary degree online here. We hear Bible talk radio. Mm. We have church to go to. We have youth groups and things to pump us up and encourage us. But in the underground church, you have the word of God and the Holy Spirit that is. And then as we've read some books, your seminary is imprisonment and incarceration because then your faith is tested. So they don't have the same resources that we do if we can affirm them in that way. The fourth area is... Um, Eventually, there are kind of phases, but eventually um, serving the needs of refugee centers, as we talked about before, they're just really deplorable um, conditions. And um, given my background with medical service trips, it would be great to provide their medical needs as we're ministering to their emotional, relational, spiritual needs and physical needs. And then finally, um, the fifth thing is advocacy, which is what we're doing right now. Um, we're excited for Tethered in this podcast to... Um, Make it aware, put on our radar that persecution exists and um, there's a need to for solidarity and to pray for and intercede for and support the persecuted church. So our church isn't just an address, and I think we forget that. You know, it's a church without walls, so really supporting the the whole body of Christ. It isn't a church with just an address, is that what you said? It's not a church with just like... That's, 9119, that's Sienna Ranch. That's a t-shirt, maybe, um, <laughs> or a bumper sticker, I think. Um, that's true. So, and this is a, a new ministry. It's, mm-hmm. it, that, that's what is very exciting to have to watch the process and um, see how God is bringing people together and in, in, in organizing uh, the ministry that, that you have here. Again, it's just the beginning point, but is there a particular, out of those five points or five areas, is there one specific thing that you're trying to focus on immediately, or are you just, when the need arises or the opportunity arises, you're just trying to address those? Just curious if there's one specific, you know, out of those five that you're like, this is what we really want to, we're trying to do right now. Well, since um, there is a campaign around Easter to try to um, raise about $10,000, and we reached our goal, surpassed it, um, to support, um, it's maybe like a little over $2,000, almost $2,500 to support um, one child with school, food, uniform, shelter. Um, So it's a 
precarious situation compared to other organizations like Compassion International. Like, oh, that's a beautiful little child, Isabella from Guatemala, and she's this years old, and we see that she's getting Bibles and medical care and things like that. We can't do that because these people are going to be put at risk if we put their name and their face and their address. So, mm. and stories is how people are engaged and want to connect, but we're trying to still figure out how we can do it in a meaningful way where people feel engaged and know that their money and their prayers are for good, um, but also secretively getting this to the families. And we have some people on the ground who can facilitate this, but 100% of everything will go to um, those who are being supported. So I'd say, um, although Sammy has more insight, I would say it would first be to helping these youth who literally have basic needs of food, water, shelter, clothing, and uh, daily needs of life. So starting with a handful, doing a little well, yeah. and once that's successful right. and ironing out, you know, the kinks, yep. um, then expanding. So you said the $2,500, what, what, um, how long would that go for yeah. somebody? Is that for a month or for a year? I forget the uh, details. What we do is we support when a pastor or a teacher is in prison, because of their faith. The children have nowhere to go. When the breadwinner is being tortured, they need emotional, spiritual, and physical help. And EHN support those families by contributing $7 a day for the children and also support the same way for members of their family so that they can continue to live. That way, uh, that's one of our mission, uh, providing basic necessity of life. That's what we are doing at this time, what we are focusing on. Of course, we have ministries, um, our mission to reach to refugees in Ethiopia, in Sudan, but we are on phase one right now, and that's what we are doing. Hmm. So to specifically answer your question, I had to do the little math, sorry. Um, 2,500 would sustain one child for a year. That's $7 a wow. day wow. Um, would sustain them. And we want to empower them. Um, we want to support them, but not become a crutch. So it would be for a certain amount of time. Right. It wouldn't be like for a lifetime, if that makes sense, until right. they're able to sustain themselves, which the next phase would be what is a business that is empowering um, them, is sustainable. Yeah. And like we heard, there's some success stories where, praise God, they're only in prison for three years and, you know, the breadwinner is able to come back home. We don't know who that will be for. So, yeah, I mean, just thinking through the, your story again, which I think is great. You know, you talked about how stories are powerful and that's one thing about tethers we believe stories have the power to change culture redemptive stories is to hear your story and attach it with with enduring hope ministry uh, network because you know like you said that people that didn't have means mm. they they really didn't mm. have anywhere to go and again just being able to to provide means for people to help them whatever they need to to do over there i mean it's and again just thinking through you know, so supporting somebody in, in a country that's free and you're, you, you, it's, it's a great thing. It's a kingdom thing. You're providing them a certain amount of money a month, provide food and education maybe, but think while wow, you're in a, in a, in a place that they're being persecuted, you've got to 
kind of be 007 mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. That yes. mm-hmm. changes the game quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's impossible with God. So Amen. he'll grant us the wisdom and the resources. And um, some of the people, like Sammy said, you're like, what is it fear that's keeping people from going or is it not having a means? But some of our contacts are um faithful to God and they love him and they say, you know, it would be easier for us to immigrate to Canada with our two toddlers and provide them for a future. But God has called us to stay here to serve our community. And that's amazing. Well, so how can people be involved? People listening right now, how how can people be involved with Enduring Hope? So first of all, it's EnduringHopeNetwork.com. EnduringHopeNetwork.com. They can find out all kinds of information about the ministry, but in specifically, how can people people get involved? People can learn about persecution. Uh, going to Enduring Help Network, we have a section for media. Uh, we give um, updates what's going on regarding persecution. Uh, we invite people uh, to support Enduring Help Network. Um, prayer is our number one. Um, thing we ask to support the persecuted church. And that's what they have asked us to advocate for. Um, you can become an ambassador representing a chain uh, at your school, at your uh, church, in whatever you are, at your workplace, advocating for the, for the persecuted church. And uh, within your church, if you are a leader of uh, a Bible study, or if you are teaching at your school, at your church, you can represent EA Chain, uh, advocating for the persecuted church. You can donate for EA Chain, going through EnduringHelpNetwork.com. Um, you can invite a speaker to speak about persecution from different parts of the world, specifically from Eritrea. Um, you can volunteer at different capacity for EA Chain. Uh, those are some of the things that we need to support Enduring Help Network to support the persecuted church. So if they if they did want somebody to come, say somebody's listening right now and they wanted you to come speak or somebody from the ministry speak, is there somewhere on the website that they can? The same way. If someone wants to volunteer, to donate, uh, to be an ambassador, uh, to support the persecuted church, they can come to our EnduringHopeNetwork.com and they can contact us that way. I, I like also to say it's very important to continue to pray for the persecuted church. And there are seven areas we want the body of Christ to pray for the persecuted church. Pray that God would sustain the faithful of persecuted believers so that they might faithfully endure trials and suffering for Christ's sake. Pray for the spirit of the gospel through the persecuted believers asking God to use their words and their faithfulness to bear witness to the gospel. Pray that believers in persecuted area might be able to experience the blessing of gathering with other believers for worship, as well as the regular fellowship and equipping the church. Pray that God would give persecuted pastors courage, wisdom, and joy as they proclaim the gospel and exalt the people to the hold fast to Christ. Pray that God would put an end to violence, intimidation, 
and other forms of persecution aimed at silencing persecuted believers and stopping the spread of the gospel. Pray the Bible and the resource to be made available to the persecuted believers. And at last, pray that God will provide for the physical need of the persecuted believers. These are some of the seven area I ask you to pray this month for the persecuted church. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. People listening right now, I'm just going to ask maybe if you would give a word of encouragement to some people. I'm just thinking some people may be listening right now that are dealing with some sort of persecution or rejection or they're faced with a decision, could be at work, where they're having to make a stand for something. Can you speak to some of those people, just maybe give some some encouragement to some people that may be listening that, that are just at a moment where they just need some hope? This reminds me uh, from the book of Jeremiah. The plan God has for us is to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. And it is God who said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. And I want people to know that we are loved and we are accepted. We've been forgiven. We've been adopted into the kingdom of God. We are children of God. The enemy cannot touch us. We belong to God. I want us to focus on who we are and to see ourselves, not the way the political system see us, but the way God, our creator, see us and who we think we are and to think and to see ourselves and to see that way our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, that's what is going to bring redemption for us as a believer. Hmm. Thank you so much. I just want to share something as uh, I've been growing an understanding of persecution because I haven't lived this like mm-hmm. you, Bill and Danielle, haven't lived this, so I've lived vicariously through Sammy. But um, we've been educating ourselves, and this is not unique to Eritrea. All of us are persecuted in different forms and fashions. So it's really important that we learn, and I think the Bible is obviously the first resource because persecution is throughout there. But I want to give a um, few references. So if you have pen and paper, um, that would be great. But um, two books about... Um, Eritrean Christians who are persecuted. The first is Sacred Suffering that we read together as a church, and that's based on Aster. And you can Google these um, and find them even on Amazon and order them. The other is Song of the Nightingale um, about Helen Berhane. She's the, um, the worship singer, the gospel singer. And then two other books that have a greater scope of culture regarding Russia and the former Eastern Bloc and also kind of international persecution. Um, the first is called Live Not by Lies by Rod Dreher, D-R-E-H-E-R. And the other is called Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. I forget, Sammy referred them to me, but um, they're great audiobooks, And we might have done it as a church or in a Bible study. But there are three things that we can do to prepare ourselves and endure in persecution that were common themes. Um, one is knowing the word of God. If we are called to suffer and our Bibles are burned um, and our cell phones taken away um, <laughs> with audio Bibles and we are incarcerated and we never see the word of God again, the 
only thing that we will have is the Spirit of God to remind us the word that we've memorized. So we have to read it, meditate it, live it, and do it. And the second thing is what one of these authors described as genealogies of faith. We have to tell our story. You know, it says in the Bible not to forsake the fellowship of Christians. So not only church, kind of like what I call big church, you know, pastor on Sunday, Sunday school, but in your home, in intimate fellowship. So small groups is something that has sustained me all my life, no matter where I've lived in the U.S., um, away at college or internationally. Small groups is how I got connected because that's where you live and share and grieve and share together. But our kids need to hear our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, from birth until the day we die, because that is how we see God's faithfulness. So um, small groups and communities of faith. And then the third thing is songs of worship. You know, Paul and Silas sang. And it's not talking about being a songbird. You don't have to be a nightingale like um, Helen Berhane. It's not about how good you are at singing, but there's something about worship. Like think about the Psalms. David encouraged himself in the Lord when he was being persecuted and pursued by Saul. And these jailers or persecutors or torturers who weep when these Eritreans were released, they are hearing songs of worship that are changing their hearts. There's something, you're a musician, there's something universal about music. You may not like a genre of music, but everyone is moved by music. So we have to have the word of God and memorize it and live it. We have to have communities of faith in which we share the word of God and encourage each other and admonish each other in the Lord. And we have to worship the Lord for ourselves because no one else will do it for us. And he said the rocks will cry out if we don't do it. But those are the three things among all cultures, among all generations that have sustained people through persecution. And we've got to prepare ourselves because if they take the pastors and they take the teachers, they take the daddies and they take the the papas, it's going to be our children who are going to be preaching the word of God. And he's called us to be prophets, to share his word. Love those three points. Those are great points to, to wrap it up with and to land on. And I love the fact that knowing the word that, Sammy, you kept referring back to scripture uh, many different times and how important the word of God uh, was, was to you. And again, telling our story and, and songs. I'm working through the song part. Um, you know, thankfully, thankfully, I'm just making a noise. Uh, I just know that. So, but uh, thank you so much for being a part uh, of the show, Tethered. And it was very just honored to have you guys on the show and to share your story. It was very encouraging. Be sure to go to EnduringHopeNetwork.com and check out um, all the information you can get there. If you want to invite someone to come speak at your church or you just want to volunteer, become an ambassador, lots of opportunities to get involved. And as Sammy said earlier, to be praying for the persecuted church for Eritrea and then for the persecuted church at large as well around the world. But thank you guys so much for being part of our show. Thank you for having us. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to get all the latest content. And y'all take care and God bless.